Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 136, where in a moment we look at investing in art with guest expert Mark Gask. But please bear in mind if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. In our programmes today, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time we looked at national savings and investments. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. Then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and joining me as always, returning from his holidays, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Now, you're back with another guest, this time Mark Gask, who's based in both Scotland and Estonia. We're going to be looking at the subject of investing in art, and we'll get there in just a moment. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for coming on. Perhaps you can begin by telling us a little bit about your own background and, and how you've got galleries in both Scotland and Estonia. Thank you, John. Morning, Phil. Great to hear from you again. Gosh, that'll be a podcast in itself. But in a nutshell, I was 15 years of age, and I come across a series of uh, really well-done prints of maps of the world and pictures of Shakespeare's birthplace and copper etchings, and I framed them in my back garden shed, would you believe, for pocket uh-huh. money. Put little balsa wood frames and, and sold them around the door, around the doors. And it was just a big hit. People loved it. You know, it was just so easy. You know, here's a picture. I put a picture in your hand and people just loved it. And it sort of went from there and you, you're picking up people's framing work and you meet artists and could you frame my artist's work? And you, you go from there and there and there until you get to a stage where you leave school. Well, what am I going to do? Well, I know I'll, I'll crack on and keep doing this and you open your first gallery, then your second gallery, and you, you you just sort of develop it. And so picture framing's been my sort of backbone, if you like. I'm a, I'm a qualified picture framer. And that's been the sort of strength of what I do. And that, that, that brings in many things of framing for different people and different arts. So currently we have two galleries in, in Scotland, a small one in Huntley and Gallery Eye based in Inverie, which is our big sort of flagship. Again, framing art is our sort of big thing. Estonia is a separate issue. I, I went to Estonia on a holiday back in 2003, and it's, a, it's one of those sort of true romantics. I just felt, just love the place. It's just instant. Just love the place. You know, really lovely fairy tale, medieval city. I went there for holidays year after year after year until about sort of seven years ago. I thought, well, you know, would it be nice to retire here? And if so, what am I going to do? What do you do now? Will you sell art? Well, could we sell art in Estonia? Well, let's find out. So it's <laughs> been a sort of seven-year mission, but a couple of problems have happened. One called COVID and the second, the invasion of Ukraine, which hasn't really helped the situation. So, well, uh, but it's, you know, it's a work in progress. We're getting there. It's, a, it's an interesting journey. I've known Mark for probably about 20 years, I think, Mark. Is it? Yeah, very much so, yeah. As far as I remember, back then you saying that you started off going around the sort of people's doors, selling, uh, going into their house and saying, oh, this would look good here, this would look good there. Yeah. And it's brilliant. It's a, a great, great story. And it's great to see the success you've had doing it over the years as well. I know when it comes to sort of art, it's not something that I know an awful lot about. So thanks very much for, for coming on to the, the show today. But would you say is, is investing in art something that, that's quite popular with people? It, it has been, Phil, John, over the years, very much so. And you, you've got to look at sort of different levels. I mean, yeah, there are sort of guidelines and, and, and rules you kind of kind of keep to. And you'll hear me bang on about this all the time. And I say straight away, if you, if you want to invest in art, the golden rule is this. You have to like it first. Now, 
I was part of an organization Phil's very familiar with called BNI many years ago. And it was the days when Jack Bepchana was really hot. And I was buying silkscreen sets and selling them for £4,800. And they were selling for £15,000 in a matter of weeks. Because again, the second golden rule is the addition was very, very low in how many were produced. The artist is very popular at the time and everybody wanted him. And one particular lady who's part of the organization said to me, Mark, should I be investing in this? And I said to her, well, do you actually like them? No, I think they're shit. I said, well, don't buy them. Really don't buy them. She said, oh, won't then. You've talked yourself out of a sale. I said, you know what? I'm actually okay with that. She said, well, why? I said, because if you don't like it, what's the point? They're going to sit in your bed. You're not going to enjoy them. And quite frankly, in a few months' time, you're going to be onto me all the time. Have they got value yet? Have they got value yet? Have they got value yet? You know, you've got to enjoy the art first of all. So, you know, keep your golden rule. Enjoy the art first. And if it makes you some money, then great. Yes, you can You can follow some, some good guidelines, which we will talk about throughout our chat. And, you know, we'll, we'll stay you sort of through that. It's funny you saying that. I, I, I remember the one of the Jack Vecchiano ones, Dancer for Money, it was called. And that was one that I really liked. I was just young at the time. I didn't have much money. And I would have bought one of them because I really liked the, the painting. And it's why I have actually got one now. It wasn't the limited, the, the, the silk scheme one that you mentioned there. But I'd say if it's something, if you can enjoy it, you're, you're dead right there, Mark. It's interesting um, the, the way that you, you talk about how you got into it, because it's it's a, a sort of romantic little fairy tale notion. But whenever you you see something about it on TV, about art, it's usually through the lens of a Columbo mystery or the like, where an artwork is stolen, or we hear about something selling for what appears to be a ridiculous amount of money at auction, which I'm sure you'll tell us is just the price delivered by market forces. I, either way, the art world always comes across as something that is exclusively invested in by the rich, is that an accurate reflection? I mean, how much money would, would someone need to get started in investing in art, Mark? It, 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 there's, there's a yes, no. You, you've got to see this genre as like boxes. Yes, of course. You're going to, you're going to hear the tales of your, your Lichtensteins and your Picassos at one end of the market. But, but see it as a, see art as a, as a giant cake. And each slice has a sort of different market within that cake. So the sort of rich exclusive end, yes, you, 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 know, you know stories of Banksy. And I'll give you a really good, a good tale of Banksy. We had a customer in Inbury, we used to frame a lot of Banksy's, and he, he was a bit of a dealer in Banksy's. He'd buy them and he'd sell them. And we framed quite a few up for him. And he recently, when we did, he sold for £15,000, which only, he only bought for a few hundred pounds. Right. He then let, the owner, the chap he sold it to, then sold it for £100,000. <laughs> so, yes, there's a bit of marketing. There's a bit of no-haul of who buys and trades and deals and this sort of kind of thing. And, yes, at that sort of level, it is for the rich you know, enchalance, but at the same time, at the other level of us mere mortals at the, at the cheaper end, yes, you can start very, very easy for just a few pounds, not very much. Get to know your local gallery, get to know what you like and, and follow you know, follow its course. If you like a, a something or a somebody, you know, it's easy now. I mean, the days of internet have made it kind of easy now. You can track online who he or she is painting, where, where, where are they exhibiting right now, what have they done, how much they've done, how much it's selling for. You can cross-reference that across the country to find out you know, what's, what's that there. Whereas the other end of your Picassos, there was only one one around or two around or, you know, and you can easily find that one too. It's a question of, do you have the money? But of course, as we know, COVID, Ukraine has kind of flattened the market out quite a bit. And there's not so much happening right now because the market in the world has gone a bit sort of haywire with the price of fuel prices and people don't really want to sort of spend even doing anything right now. Mm. So it's a little bit flat at the market. But I mean, these things, these things are worthwhile. And art is, by history, has always gone up in value, even down to basic index thinking. It's, it's always gone up in value because there's always somebody that wants something. What you've got to watch for is the next trend or the next thing, and that's that's the $50 million billion question. But is art popular just now, Mark? Or, or is that maybe the wrong question? Is it maybe certain types that are like eternally popular while others come and go? 
thanks to COVID, we are going through a huge decor. That basically means is, and, and, and I actually teach this in Estonia. So the Estonian thing is that they thought they were so different to selling art. No, they're not. It's exactly the same as here. We, we, I even sell them Highland cows, would you believe, in Tallinn, Estonia? Because <laughs> they think it's cute and it's kind of nice. You know what I mean? People simply want a nice picture for the wall. And what happened during COVID was people were stuck at homes, quite frankly, bored with us around, looking around, thinking, you know, I'm kind of fed up with all this. So when they were allowed, you know, the hot spots of course were being queued in home base. People were decorating like mad. We had a we had a boom after lockdown because people wanted to either buy new art or wanted to reframe their old their old stuff because they were simply wanted to sort of change. So decor became a real major factor that things simply had to match their decor to make their surroundings more positive, give them a whole sort of new sort of energy around it. So decor is very much a sort of kind of thing. And then you've got to think, okay, right, decor is one slice of the cake. What is popular within, within the sort of decor art? People still liking the cute stuff, you know, Highland cows and, and, and Highland hares and stags. They are in Scotland, of course, that, that sort of does that kind of thing. A lot of abstract, colourful sort of things kind of working. There are no sort of big hitters right now in, in terms of that. But in general, that's the current kind of trend, Phil. It's, it's the sort of more anything that's going to fit, it's going to match. Very affordable too, you know, surprisingly, your first square, how much, you know, a few pounds, you can go from 15, 20 pounds to hundred pounds and buy yourself a nice picture and get yourself started. What would you say investing in art? Is it quite volatile or stable? Would you say? You've got to take the long game approach in terms of it. I mean, it's relatively stable over a period of time, a bit like sort of houses, you know, you'll come out in the end again, if you pick the sort of right thing, as we've mentioned veteran already, he's a, he's a really good case study to talk about because in the early days, the trick of veteran was he painted very little. I mean, he only, he only produced 20 paintings every two years. So it's very little on the market. That's what made them so expensive, you know, about the supply and demand rule. So think about that. If your artist you, you, you like is, is painting one a day or two a day every day, and it's the same thing, well, it's not really going to go up in value that much. Only by yeah. every year, they might have got a few pounds. It's the rarity that makes the price increase. So think about that. The, the, the actual amount that the artist has actually produced, you know, are they, are they progressive? Are they all the time painting all the time? If they do prints and sign the prints, how many are they signing? Is it no more than 50 or is it thousands of them? If it's thousands of them, well, that's, that's taken out the rarity. Yeah. So you look at low numbers, low production, and within that, a, a certain lack of variety as well, you know, you know of, of what you're going to do in terms of subject. So when Jack came out, of course, he did 20 paintings every two years. He brought out a limited range of prints, quite low numbers that were all signed that everybody wanted. And that's why the price went up because they yeah. sold out within weeks. Therefore, everybody wanted one because they all sold out. And that's why the price doubled. So your dance of money, for example, I remember selling for seven hundred and fifty pounds framed, and the next one I sold was fifteen thousand. <laughs> so, <laughs> so go figure, you know. I know I definitely should have bought a couple of them back in the day. <laughs> you know, you know, we had a pound for one of those. We here, you know. I know. I guess it's just supply and demand, is it? It's like it's very much supply and demand. Do you, do you find? Is it better for people to try and buy originals if they can, or is the like the prints? I know you got a lot of different limited edition things as well, but well, it's always nice to have original course, and that's and certainly in Estonia, that's a big thing for them. They want originals. The demand is originals, and I'm trying to sort of break the sort of should I say the word snuggness about prints because you know prints are good quality these days. I mean, there's a lot of lot of money and effort gone into production of prints. So I wouldn't wouldn't buy a you know good quality print, but yeah, obviously people like a nice original, the, the handcrafted element. The fact that if it's original, chances are it won't be under any glass, so there's no glare or reflection. So you know you can't you can't obviously beat a nice original. And I said you can, yeah. you can pick one of those up for not a lot of money in, in today's world. 
And this is basically what's happened to the market itself, that too many people in the, in the publishing end have brought out too many prints that have become too high a value, that now the market is leveled up, that for the same price, you can buy an original now for the same price as a good signed limited edition print, yeah. for example. And I'll add to that by the Johnny Depp story. You know, Johnny Depp recently did a range of signed prints which sold out in 12 minutes. So what are you buying? Are you buying a picture, a nice picture of art, or are you buying a Johnny Depp autograph? <laughs> mm. Going back to when I was going on about art being volatile, I remember a few years back, Rolf Harris, his stuff, when he ended up in jail, all the values of his stuff just dropped like a stone. But I guess that's quite extreme circumstances in his case. Well, again, what was interesting about Rolf Harris is, at the time, he was always very, very popular because people liked him as an entertainer and liked, actually liked his work. And his artwork was actually really, really good. And when he went to jail, what you don't know is the fact there was a huge amount of people I was in touch with trying to buy his originals and gambling. Yeah. What if he didn't go to jail? What if he was found innocent? Right. That these originals are going to go through the roof because the originals had dropped in value and there was a nationwide search for any anything to do with Rolf Harris originals. So there's this great sort of underground market, so to speak. But of course, what happened was, we all know history, yeah. he got arrested, he went to jail, blah, blah, blah. And now who is Rolf Harris? Yeah. You know, whether they're worth anything or not, I can't comment because there's, there's nothing on the market anymore. There's nothing yeah. to compare it with anymore. There's no one selling them on the market anymore. So, so again, but it's a really, again, a good, a really sort of excellent case to have someone's popularity in the big wide world. I sold, I, I, I sourced two originals for, for a client of mine of quite some serious money. And the first thing they, they phoned me and said, oh, Mark, Mark, um, he's gone to, he's got, got arrested. What's going to happen? Do you know what I said? I can't, I don't know. I can't track the, the, you know, the personality of, of, of human being of an artist, what they, what they do and don't do. Yeah. So again, another lesson of, of buying art is, is track your artist. Are they a nice, humble person that likes to produce, you know, nice art on a, on a very sort of small scale, or are they one of these mass production artists that, you know, don't care and do sort of lots of things like that. So, you know, look at, look at, look at your artists, you know, a bit like a racehorse, I would say. A racehorse yeah. is a good, a good analogy. Are they, are they good on the ground? Are they soft in the running? Are they in temperament, you know? <laughs> we, we did a show recently, Mark, on, on NFTs. And I guess that, that's something that's coming into the art world an awful lot. Is that something that you're seeing or have had much sort of dealings with? I'm very aware of it. I've had no dealings of it, and there's not much talk about it. It is seen as a little bit quirky, I'll be honest. And again, a bit of a fad. And yes, the art business is a bit sort of faddy in terms of the what next thing. And yes, you buy this sort of um, Bitcoin-y style of art. There is a bit of snobbery about, about that kind of art because it's more digital. And the digital thing hasn't quite hit yet because people don't quite understand what digital art is. Yeah. And again, that sort of bit of perception about, you know, is it handcrafted? Oh, well, it's done on a computer. It can't be original. Well, actually, yes, it can. And it takes a lot of skill to actually create a piece of art digitally. But from a marketplace condition, it hasn't quite taken off, certainly in my in my field of mind, the words, although yeah. I understand the people are going through super steady money. But saying that again, thanks to COVID and the Ukraine situation, you know, Bitcoin has hit a bit of a bit of a low, I understand. So you can understand that's going to follow the sort of same sort of way. But again, this is another another sort of Bitcoiny kind of collectible, collectible sort of kind of thing, you know. Just going back to what you were talking about with, with Jack Vetriano used as an example, I, I was just thinking about students coming through university and studying art just now. Are, are students guided in the idea of now, whenever you're going to do a, a piece, don't do more than so many in any given year. Don't do so more than uh, do more than this number of prints. Is there any kind of 
you know, training given to up and coming artists in, in, in that regard? And if not, do you think there should be? No, there isn't. And yes, there should be, is a quick answer <laughs> to that one. Because I've had many, many an art student come to work with me at the gallery to, to gain gallery experience. And mm. it's funny because when they apply for a job working at the gallery, they all make the same mistake. I get it back into Estonia too. What do you think this job actually is? Oh, we sit around and talk about art all day. Actually, no, we don't. <laughs> what does it mean? People yeah. come in with their swatches of wallpaper and, and bits of material and can we frame it to match our, our, our sort of settings? So no, at colleges, from my understanding, although I haven't been to art college, although I have lots of people that have, they, they train them more about, about the type of technique and on how to paint. Mm. And again, some again, back to Jack Retro said, he was never, he never went to art college and he didn't want to t- be, taught, be taught that way. He wants to be allowed to do what his, his kind of thing. But do you think he was he was savvy to the point of view of I'm I'm not going to flood the market with my work I'm only going to do this twenty I'm only you know do you think he was savvy about that at least Yeah, very much so. I mean, again, that's what keeps the price up. I mean, there is there is the world famous story of Lichtenstein who does the big pop art pictures, you know, the big bam wham paintings. Mm. It is said there are two families in America which have all his work in two very giant warehouses just to control <laughs> the price. You know. So how does someone go about investing in fine art? What's what's the way in? I mean, you, you spoke earlier about starting off at 15 and, and framing a few pictures that you thought were nice. That's obviously rule number one, is, as you mentioned, is, is find something that you like, presumably. Find something that you like, yeah. Go and visit your local gallery. Get to know your gallery owner because there are minds of information out there. Yes, of course, you can internet and this kind of thing, but you're, you're into a minefield of all kinds of too much information. You know, get to look at it and see it and touch it and texture it and, and, and smell it if it's oil. You know, go and, go and get to your local gallery and have a look around. Do your research. You know, if you're serious, find what presses your buttons. You know, find what you like. You know, it's like that. I guess like buying a house. You're going to buy a house for investment? Well, yes, of course you want to send. You're going to have to like your house in the first place, aren't you? You're going to research your area where, where it sits, where it likes, where the schools are, where the shops are. So art is kind of similar to that. You know, find, find the art you like, the artist you like get to know your gallery, get to your gallery owner, tap into their knowledge, what's coming up, what's it been, where's the artist been showing, have they got shows coming up, are they bothered even doing shows, or, or are they merely a small artist at home, quite frankly, that's just pottering away, not really going anywhere, or are they progressive, are they out, out in the bigger wide world, you know, contacting galleries in England, are they doing the big affordable art fairs, which are high profile out there, you know, across the world, I mean, many arts I know will do We'll do Batsy Art Fair, Bristol Art Fair, London Art Fair, Singapore Art Fair, Hong Kong Art Fair, you know, America Art Fairs, you know, really progressing and are out there doing this sort of kind of stuff. And all this is profiled, driving their price up over a period of time. So, so look at your artist, back to your race or syndrome, you know. Mm-hmm. Are they a good runner or are they slow out the slow out the slow out the blocks? I mean, you, you've given us some cracking tips so so far, Mark. Anything else that you would say to, to kind of look out for at all? Well, again, we'll go back to see see what you like. Yeah. See what you like, what grabs you. If you can, some people are a little bit shy about meeting the artist sometimes. Go to, you know, if you, there's, no, there's a chance to go to an exhibition where you actually meet the artist, go meet them. Some people are very shy, shy about it. And we've had a few, certainly in the past, where I've invited customers along that have bought the artwork. I said, come meet the artist. Oh, no, I don't want to do that. It'll, it'll, it'll you know, <laughs> what if he's not nice? Well, she's not nice. <laughs> That's the fear, isn't it? <laughs> it'll destroy my illusions of what I think the artist is. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, I can assure you they're sort of quite nice. You know what I mean? But, you know, come and meet them. You know, are they nice? Are they humble? We've got will a lovely artists, guy. Will artists sort of do like commissions? If, if Let's say, I mean, for example, I, I've just got engaged. And one of the things that I've always wanted to do is 
for, for as a gift to my, my wife when I get married, I always thought oh, I'd love to get Fabian Perez is one of my favorite artists, and I always thought oh, I'd love to get him to do paint. And I say, me and my wife, is that something that would be possible, or would that cost just too much? Would you say, or is it, or yes, did they not yes. do that? Yes, and yes. <laughs> I suppose everything's yes. got a price, but <laughs> yes, and yes. Artists make a living, of course, from doing commissions. Yeah. So it depends on who's in the queue, what's in the queue. And think of it like this, that an artist, well, I'll give you a good analogy. When you're pricing artwork as an artist, I always say to them, you're, you're standing on a stepladder and you're sawing the legs up behind you as you go. You can't go backwards. So therefore, don't price it too high because you've got nowhere to go. So start at the bottom rung and price accordingly. And as your success grows and how you develop as an artist and how you put yourself out there in the marketplace from going to gallery to gallery or art fair to art fair, gaining popularity, gaining success. Yes, your prices can go up slowly, just nicely slowly. If you jump, you know, many a famous case where we've had an artist selling for three, four hundred pounds, they turn around and all of a sudden they're a thousand. I'm going, why have you done that? Well, that means I can paint less, but sell more. No, that just means you've lost half your market because people will follow you and thinking, I'm not paying a thousand pounds for that. I'm, you know, I'm paying 300 pounds for that where I've been used to. So why would I all of a sudden pay a thousand pounds? So the point I'm, I'm driving to, Phil, John, is, is every artist has his own personal tariff depending on where they are in life. Yeah. So Fabio Perez, of course, was, was famous before he even got to the UK. He was big in Argentina with all these tango, tango dancing stories yeah. and stuff like that. So yes, of course, I can contact. I'm, I'm in with the management of, of if you want, Phil. But it's going to cost you. It's yeah. going to cost. It gets seven again. I can certainly find out for you. Yeah, that would be good. But yes, it could certainly be done. What size, sir? Would you like? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We had a guest on a few weeks ago, property overseas, and Ruth, my partner, listened to that one. And now she wants to buy a house in Spain or somewhere else. Oh, no. So hopefully she won't listen to this episode. Somewhere, be... somewhere to hang your new painting, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> you, need, you, need a, you need a unique hall. I had a picture of the, ta- the famous tango picture. A customer just, they were divorced or something and just, you know, and I don't normally trade in pictures because I'm not a second-hand dealer. And I, you know, I see it as a second-hand dealing, but, you know, I did them a favour. They wanted something they really liked. And, and I, okay, it was a nice, but I, like, I like the tango. It's one of my favourites. And um, I took it. Well, I took it to Tallinn, Estonia. And I put on what the value was at the time. And when it came out, it was about £500 as it came out. Again, because who was Fabian Perra? Who the hell is this guy from Argentina coming over here? And he's, he's women-y tango dancers, you know what I mean? But as you know, it gained popularity. This was a couple of years ago. It would be 2019, 20. I took over a frame tango, Fabian Perez to Tallinn in our gallery over there. And I had about 3,500. And the staff there went very quiet. And who is this guy? Whatever this guy is, I said, well, you know, I go with your stuff over here with your weird and wonderful abstracts. You've got to go with mine sometimes. And it was in the gallery weeks and someone came along and bought it. Of course, I said nothing. And then literally two weeks went by, someone else came in. We've come to buy the Fabian Paris Tango. So I'm really sorry we've sold it. Can you get me another one? No, I'm really sorry. It was limited edition. That's the point. Limited edition means limited edition. I only had the one. This sold out years ago. It was a rare piece. I brought it over because it was interesting. And, you know, teach the Estonians the fact of limited editions and, you know, something a bit unusual. So their sort of eyes opened up to something kind of different. Yeah. But, yes, I will get on the phone after I speak to you, Phil, and we will do our best. Phil, you know, you can but always make, get... Make, make sure you cash in those unit trusts you've got because it's yeah, going to be Yeah, I know. 
You, you can get in the, the likes of Elton John and Beyonce to play at uh, the wedding as well. Every, everyone's got a price. Everyone's um, got a, that's, they've got a tariff. They've got a tariff, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We always ask about the pros and cons and the do's and don'ts for any given subject that we're looking at, Mark. So, for instance, in, in this instance, what would be, if you're considering investing in art, what would be the pros and cons first, please? Pros are, as first mentioned, number one rule, buy it because you like it. Con. Don't buy it because it seems to have a buzz or a thing about it. So if you don't like it, it's just going to sit there and annoy you and sit on your bed gathering dust and you sort of, this is, this is you know, wait, wait for the price to go up. Buy it because you love it and adore it and like it, first of all. Okay, number one, number one rule. Number two rule is find out as you're buying it how it's been done. Is it scarce? Is it a limited edition? Does this artist paint the same subject or does it have a variety of themes that you can obviously look or track, which you can do yourself? Try and find the uniqueness. You know, try and find that that one little factor about this that's kind of unique that may or may not be repeated. And if you can and the artist is there, ask him, does he is he going to continue with this theme or is it going to be quite quite sort of different, you know, in terms of that? So these are sort of, again, you know, good pros to look at. Look at the uniqueness of it all, of the whole sort of thing. Size is not really important. Price isn't that all that poor either, because often new art is not that expensive. And you know, I said you talked about a few hundred pounds in terms of all that, but I can't emphasize enough. Number one, buy it because you like it, love it. And are there any real do's and don'ts? I know you're going to say don't buy it because because you don't like it, um, but are there any real do's and don'ts? Common sense, of course. You know, common sense does. You know, don't fall for the the, the sort of bargain basement. Oh, it's a, it's a cracking price. We'll do you a deal, mate. Because you know, good art doesn't do a deal. You know what I mean, and, and obviously less sort of scrupulous sites. That it's a bargain price. It's been it's been chopped down. It's because again, you don't know what you're buying. You know, have it all have it all verified. And, you know, in terms of all of that. So again, you know, common sense approach. One one thing we've not really spoke about on on the show today is like capital gains tax. I guess that's where a financial advisor could come in if somebody buys something for one price, sells it for another. They can work out that sort of things. I, I was also going to ask as well, Mark. Is there any so future stars you see kind of coming through or any young upcoming artists you've kind of got your eye on that you think will do well? There's, there's been a couple that's come through my sort of stable. We've, we've just lost one, a gentleman called Chris Rivers, who was a was quite a famous rock drummer in his day for an up-and-coming band with his, with his million-pound uh, rock contract, which didn't quite work out. And he turned to painting, and he became very popular on Instagram and Facebook. And I, I, I find him pretty quick, and we, we just clicked and got on really well. And we sold his work. And I said, you know, you wait for Mr. Satchi to get your hands on him. He's, he's going to go through the roof. Anyway, Mr. Satchi didn't, but another London gallery did. And he has gone through the roof. And he's now destined for destined for the American market. You can find him on Instagram and Facebook, although he's not dealing directly anymore because he's not allowed. He's now under contract through a nice London gallery. But his name is Chris Rivers. He's always very good to have a look at. I've got a personal one, a gentleman called Hendrik Hurden, H-U-R-D-E-N. Um, you can see on 6art.ee. Is our website. He's one of our Estonian guys, very humble gentleman, doesn't paint very often. What he does, a very cracking, abstracty, almost Banksy-esque style of imagery, but very unique. I'll give you an example. We had one pre-COVID, quite a large painting, and all it was was lots of flies, covered in hand-painted little flies with one red one stuck in the middle somewhere, hiding behind a black one. And it was just kind of cool. It was just kind of different, kind of cool. And we sold for 2,000 euros. And a guy from Switzerland walked in and said, I'm having that. It was like a 15-second purchase. I'm, but can you ship it to Switzerland? Just, of course we can, sir. And again, he just does very unique, very humble approach to his artwork. So he's one to look out for. Hendrik Hurden, 
and go on uh, sixart.ee if you want to have a look at some of his work. Is, is one that we've we've been we behind because he's just a nice, humble guy. You know, he's not he's not one of these ambitious or you know very sort of over enthusiastic, you know, going nowhere kind of guys. You know, he's been doing his, his pop has been been getting very slowly. Can I mention a couple of old classics like Jack again? I mean, that's that's always quite good yeah. as well. How is his popularity at the minute? Is, is that still well, quite he's, he's kind of, Since his injury of his arm, he hasn't played for quite some time, and he's not out there. So what's happened is the fact is a lot of the older collectional stuff has been very collectible. Against its lockdown, people simply want to own one or have have his you know have a signed one. So we've had a bit of demand from anything which is signed that's out there. You know, can you find me X? Can you find me Y? Can you find me Z? That's out there because there's nothing new coming through. So again, back to the rarity of it all. There's nothing new coming through. We like his work. We don't want a poster. We want something which is a bit more value than just a poster. I don't yeah. want to spend 45000 on original, but you have a signed something. We'll have a signed something instead. So again, you know, for a, for a couple of thousand, you can buy yourself a nice signed, large size image of a Jack Vetriano is, is yeah. a good one. Did you want to mention Sorry. anything further on capital gains tax, Phil, on, on, on this kind of thing? Or No, I mean, I, I would say if Andy's got any questions about that, that's probably where they would speak to their okay. tax advisor or, or financial advisor at that sort of point. But I, I guess for a financial planning side, that was kind of the main thing I really had to mention on, on that. Okay, now comes the part of the show where, where Phil looks back over the course of his own life, both professionally and personally, to find an example of how today's topic has affected his own situation. This actually sounds like it's going to be on, an ongoing story with your your, your wife-to-be, Phil. <laughs> but in, investing in art, what do you have on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've got... I, I, like Mark says, you buy something because you you like it. And I remember years ago, the, the Dancer for Money, the Jack Vettiano one, that was one that I really liked. I, I like an artist, Keely Farmer, um, like quite a lot of her stuff, Fabian Perez. And it is, it's it, like, I'll, I'll buy paintings. And it's funny, I mean, when, when I was younger, I'd never, just the way, I suppose the way I was brought up, I'd never really been into art at all. But as I get older, I, I see a lot of things. I think, oh, I really like that. And now it is, it's often, if I like it, I'll go and buy it. So, no, I think it's that something that's, if it's something that interests you, great to to look at. What one thing I was going to say as well, Mark, just for if anybody wanted to get in touch with yourself, have you got contact details or website for for getting in touch with yourself? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, in, in in Scotland, of course, it's Gallery I, Gallery in Veruri. So you can do all the W's, galleryi.co.uk. And of course, in Estonia, it's sixart.ee. That's what we're called there. Keep it nice and simple. So anything through that, or tap in Mark Gask, and you'll find me Googley somewhere, Facebooky somewhere. Feel free to ping me direct. I'll answer any question you wish, no matter how silly you think it is. Believe me, give me a test. I'll hear a lot of silly questions. So <laughs> feel free to ask away. Galleryi.co.uk or info at galleryi.uk or ping me personally. It's not a problem at all because it, is, it, is, it can be a minefield, but it, it's not as scary as you might think. And back to John's original point, it's not for the elite. You'd be surprised how many people out there do just like, you know, another, yeah. and a kind of size point of people simply want a nice picture. They want to touch it, ice it, texture it, you know what I mean? They just want a nice picture. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. Interesting. It's been eye-opening. Quote of the week time, Phil. You've always been a fan and collector of quotes for as long as I've known you. What have you got on our topic for this week, investing in art? I've got a Leonardo da Vinci quote for, for today. One can have no smaller or greater mastery than mastery of oneself. 
there. Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up in a second. I'll give it to you after these. The first is from Alison in Dundee. Hi, Phil. I've heard you say before, in general terms, property offers a good return in the longer term. Does this hold good for commercial property as well as residential, or are they not quite the same? It's all down to supply and demand. I guess it's the same as art. But we're, we're speaking about prices are often dictated by the supply and demand, and that's the same for commercial property. For, for residential property, I mean, the population's still rising, so the demand for that is seeing prices usually kind of rise over the, the longer term. Well, one thing I would say with commercial property is that there is a change in people's buying patterns. People are buying a lot more online these days so the high streets kind of changing so that this maybe I, I don't know it depends i mean you've got different types of commercial property as well you've got offices you've got industrial units you've got so many like big shopping centers so many different types of commercial property and you know i think i mean there, there's pros and cons with, with commercial property but i'm thinking that's probably a good podcast for us to do maybe in two or three weeks time as well i think that'll be one that will will probably cover a whole Topic on. Okay. Well, one to look at in the future then. Next up, one from Alistair and Codder near Inverness who says, Hi, Phil. I'm looking to launch a business based around the North Coast 500, where rather than people driving it themselves, my company would offer a variety of different themed trips and adventures, which are all catered as packages we provide. I know the area well and think it could be a success but I wonder how best to get started in terms of sourcing finance, etc. Any tips? Yeah, we, we did do a show. Alex Drummond from Drummond Finance came on. It was episode 88 where we looked at commercial lending. I, I would say, I mean, you could go and speak to your own bank as a sort of starting point, but speaking to like a commercial lending specialist, somebody likes of Alex, he'd be able to steer you in the right direction, what you would need, things like maybe business plans, that sort of thing. But he would also know all the different kind of options for, for finance out there, which companies might do it, who might not. So I'd, I'd definitely go and speak to, to a commercial lending specialist. Absolutely. And can I just throw into the mix, if you're going to do something in the North Coast 500, for the love of God, get a video done. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a, a lot of topics now and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 136 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. And thank you to our guest as well, Mark Gask, for his expertise. Really interesting. If you feel that you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or why not email Phil a question you can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's how you prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. Please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts too. And then that way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John. And thanks very much for coming on, Mark. I really enjoyed it today. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you.